ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Marco Sen Podcast, the show where I bring on some of the most talented and successful people from the nation's capital here in Ottawa, Canada, and I pick their brains so we can find out how they got so successful and we tackle a different topic every single show. As usual, if you have any specific guests you want to see on the show, or if you have any topics you want us to go over on the show, make sure you drop it in the, in the comments below and I'll do my best to make that happen. Today, we have another very good episode for you guys. Um, we have someone that I've been friends with for over a decade, um, started his first business at the age of 16 years old and has worked his way up to being the CEO of the most successful paving company in Ottawa, Black Tar Paving and Construction. And he has done this through systemizing his business. And that's the, the subject we're going to be talking about today, systemization, um, innovation and systemization to be exact. So without further ado, let's bring on my good friend, very successful entrepreneur, Sammy Tatawi. All right, folks, welcome to episode number three of the Marco Sen podcast. Today, we got the one and only Mr. Sammy Tatawi on the show today. Thank you so much for being here, man. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's a pleasure being here. Um, it's always uh, good to, uh, you know, spend time with my good old buddy from 10 years ago. Absolutely, man. It's always, always a pleasure. So let's dive right into this thing. For the viewers that don't know who Sammy Tatawi is, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to the point you're at today? So I've, um, you know, ever since I was really a kid, I've always been fascinated with entrepreneurship. Um, it was, you know, since I was eight, nine years old, I've always gone to my, uh, my dad and my mom and been like, Hey guys, you know, what if we print, uh, I love Canada on a t-shirt Would that sell well. And then my dad would be like, Sammy, that's already been done. You know? So, um, I've always been trying to innovate and stuff, but the, my first job was really what put me in the field. Um, and it was one of the hardest sales jobs everyone knows door-to-door uh, -door, the coldest type of sales you could possibly do they would pretty much pick me up at around 5 30 in the morning uh, it was a 30-minute training on my first day they dropped me off at 8 in the morning and they didn't pick me up until 10 p.m 9 or 10 p.m wow so i was in the street with a you know 200 300 pound aerator pushing it with a backpack full of rotten food because it was 30 degrees outside and one bottle of water and uh that's pretty much what you know taught me work ethic and taught me how hard you have to work kind of just threw me in the fire and that sort of uh fascinated me in terms of sales um and it made me think hey why am i selling a thousand dollars and only making 200 bucks when i can sell a thousand dollars for myself and one thing led to another yeah that's crazy man i remember we were in high school together um, and you were, you were working at McDonald's or something. And then you, you started this job and made what you'd made in McDonald's for like, since you started in one day. And that, I think that was your last shift, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what the, the McDonald's job I actually had in the winter time, cause it was a, it was a seasonal job. So I yeah. got the aeration job with spring masters and, uh, and then I, during the winter time, I was like, man, I can't just sit on my ass and do nothing all day. Yeah. Applied to McDonald's, applied to a few other places. McDonald's uh, pretty much gave me the job around two weeks before the season start, started again. I went to three shifts and the season started. And then I ended up giving away my 10 other shifts. And I actually started paying people 
20 bucks, 30 bucks to take my shift. And then I eventually just pretty much got fired for not showing up. But <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey man, it was worth it. Look look it where you are today. A hundred percent. I know right now you're 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 the CEO of Black Tar, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, paving companies in Ottawa. Um, talk a little bit about your your how you got to this point from Spring Masters, from starting that door to door sales, and kind of how you worked your way up to being the CEO of such a big and successful company. Um, well, uh, right off the bat, it obviously it didn't happen right away. Um, it was it was an incremental process. Um, a lot of hard work, a lot of 12 to 15 hour days, seven days a week for years. The first business I really started was when I was 16 years old back in 2011 called Equalons. So uh, me and my buddy that used to work at Springmasters sort of just met randomly one day and he was like, hey man, um, I haven't seen you around Springmasters lately. What have you been doing? And I told him, you know, I bought my own little dethatcher. I'm going door to door. I'm selling dethatching jobs for two to 500 bucks and just making my money, you know, working a few days a week. And he said, well, why don't we turn it into a company? So we did, um, had 26 employees in our first year of business wow. in a matter of two months. Um, and the company generated great revenues. We bought a brand new truck in our first three days of, of actually in operations, paid it off in cash and, Two months later, we went from 26 employees down to zero. And that was pretty much my first big mistake was, you know, growing way too fast, too quickly. Nothing was organized. One year later in 2012 at age 17 is when I started Black Tar Construction. We started off with small ceiling jobs that escalated to cutting patches, hot rubber, got a few commercial asphalt maintenance jobs. And then four years later, which was around four years ago, was when we got into actual asphalt paving. And fast forward to today, we're actually the biggest residential paving company in Ottawa with 15% market capital, market percentage. So 15, um, 15 jobs out of every 100 residential driveways that are paved are actually paved by Black Tar Construction. This year, we're estimated to get to around 20% market share. Um, in 2013, I started a car dealership actually with my brother that failed as well, um, mainly because we just didn't put our all into it. So we tried it out for half a year. The profits were great, but we just, we weren't all there. He was busy with a full-time job. I was busy with Black Tar Construction and Equalons at the time. And in um, age 19, I started Mobilian, which is a wholesale tech company. Uh, that ended up failing, very, very profitable, but that ended up failing because of a bad partnership between myself and my business partner, we both got greedy and that ended up failing. 2015, I started Celavi, which is a, another wholesale tech company that I started with my family after Mobilian failed. That's still alive and doing well till today. Totally Techie, which is a Barhaven tech store. I started at age of uh, uh, 22 in 2017. That's doing very well. Hit us up, we're in Barhaven. We can repair your phone or your iPad or your laptop if you'd like. And uh, this year, actually a month ago, uh, my family and I started a, uh, a heavy machinery rental company. So we're renting out triaxles, uh, paving machinery, skid steers, excavators, that sort of stuff. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Speaking of your parents, so talk to me a little bit about how you were kind of brought up. And do you feel like the way you were brought up plays a part in your DNA and being so successful or so entrepreneurial? Um, 
my parents are uh my, my parents are definitely the biggest part of of why i am who i am today that's that's for sure my dad is a huge character and so is my mom and they're complete opposites so my dad comes from a huge hr background he was a director of human resources for a five billion dollar company for his entire life really he had fifty thousand direct reports uh, he helped franchise 1,500 franchises such as KFC, Baskin-Robbins, TGI Fridays, Applebee's. Um, so he's a, he's a very process thinker. So for him, he'll, he'll talk about, he'll bring up a point, but when he pretty much brings up a rebuttal, it'll sound like it has nothing to do about what you're talking about. And then an hour later, it'll completely tie in everything that he spoke about in 10 different categories towards this point. And no matter how angry you are, you're always convinced. So he pretty much brought that sort of like incremental thinking, that, that categorical thinking uh, towards my life of, hey, listen, pause, aim, pause, reflect, aim, and then, and then talk, right? Um, my mom is the complete opposite. She's a tiger. She's a lion. I still remember um, contacting this guy in Toronto to come sell me one of his asphalt machines three years ago. He drove all the way from Toronto in his big truck, a huge trailer and four machines. I only wanted one. And I went to him like, hey, listen, man, I want all four machines and I want the trailer. The guy says, no, they're not for sale. Only one is for sale. I go to my mom, I tell her, she's like, hey, listen, tell him if he doesn't sell you all four machines and the trailer to go back to Toronto. You're not taking any. Wow. Guess what? I went to the guy, I told him, Right away, he's like, oh, man, all right, you know what, take them. So she sort of taught me that fierce, that, 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 hey, like, don't back down. If you want something, go and get it. And my dad taught me the perspective of, hey, do it, but be nice, be polite, have your morals and your ethics in place as well. Love it, man. And do you think that those skills you got from both your parents is what made you so successful when you first started going with the door to door sales. Cause I know, I think you were, you were, you were in like the top 1% of the company, right? When you were going door to door, like, can you talk a little bit about how, like just on a day to day basis, like how resilient you have to be to, to succeed and kind of what unique skills you think you have that helped you succeed in those, in those situations. When it came to door to door, it was more, it was more like war, to be honest with you. And, and any person watching this, if you've done door to door, it's literally, it's like a battlefield, right? It's you, you're by yourself and it's sort of a do or die. Um, if you take too long of a break, you just think about quitting the entire time. So what truly made me succeed in my first job was sports. Um, I looked at it as a sport. I've always looked at work and my business as a sport. Um, and you know, I've, I've always been a part of two or three teams simultaneously. In fact, we were part of the same teams growing up. Uh, so I, I've been part of football teams, soccer teams, basketball teams, badminton, track and field, pretty much any availability, any team. I don't care what it was. I enjoyed it. And the most important thing for me was obviously enjoying the sport, but winning. And when I went into my first job, I looked at it as, Hey, I'm not here to make money. I'm here to beat everybody around me. I'm here to be the best. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. You made more money than me today. You sold more than me today. All right. That's fine. Now I know what your caliber is. I'm going to beat you tomorrow. 
And once it got to the point where I beat everybody else, for me, I started competing against myself because that's the only person I can really compete against. So what keeps work satisfying for me is that constant strive to buy that extra truck, to get that extra paving machine, to have the biggest crew in the entire city, to offer better customer service or to sell the extra lawn or aerate the extra, you know, the extra neighbor next door or so on and so forth, you know, instead of sitting down and saying, Hey, I've already, you know, hit my target. Well, no, I still have 15 minutes left of my shift. Let me try to get one more. That's awesome. man. I love that. Do you think there's a specific formula or any characteristics that a successful entrepreneur needs to have? Like, can, is there a secret sauce? Do you think anybody can be an entrepreneur or do you think it's something that you're born with? Um, I just asked you like five questions there, by the way. So <laughs> they all tie into each other. Um, so I do believe anyone can be an entrepreneur. Um, I don't think everybody can be as successful of an entrepreneur, um, as, as some people. And it mainly ties into the motivation and the drive. So there's two different types of motivation. There's internal motivation and there's external motivation. Um, external motivation, pretty much everybody has. You're motivated by the vehicles. You're motivated by the house. You're motiv motivated by the nice watch. Uh, you want to show off. You know, you want, you want that financial freedom. That's external motivation. Internal motivation is what differentiates a born leader or a born entrepreneur from a, from a, a, a wannabe entrepreneur. And internal motivation is your, you're motivated because you're just motivated. You have that burning desire for no reason. You just, can, am I allowed to curse on your show? Yeah, you're allowed. You're the you second person in a row to ask. <laughs> Absolutely, you can. You just want to fuck shit up all the time for no reason. You wake up and you just have that burning desire. You want to go to work. You want to work harder. Everybody want, wants to go home, but you convince everybody to stay at work, even though you're tired as well. You don't know why you're motivated. You're just motivated. And that's pretty much what internal motivation is. There's a lot of other reasons, a lot of other aspects of a born leader or a born entrepreneur from a, a entrepreneur wannabe, such as, you know, internal locus of control and a few other um, aspects. But that's um, the main thing for me that I find is the internal motivation. The internal motivation. Got it. And is there like, because that's that's not really something you can, you can work on, right? The internal motivation. That's something that either you have or you don't. Are there any skills that people can work on to become the best entrepreneur that they could be? I feel there's a, I feel like there's a huge lie around the world when it comes to entrepreneurship of people saying, Hey, do what you enjoy. That's not entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship is you enjoy business. Mm -hmm. You enjoy what makes money. If you're going to do what you enjoy, you just canceled out tens of thousands of industries, tens of thousands of business ideas, and you just, you, you just took it down to one or two. So if you truly want to be an entrepreneur, if you truly enjoy business, I would say look for the most profitable industry. Look for the most profitable business. Study it. 
and then perform it. And you know what? Even if you don't have that internal motivation, as long as you're in the right industry, you could do half the efforts and get twice the outcome because you're in the right industry, because you're selling the right products, because you have the profit margins to be able to have the higher acquisition cost to get a new customer, or you're able to spend $200 to get one lead because you know it with a 20% conversion rate, even if you close one out of, out of five customers and you're spending $200 per customer, your profit margin is 20 or $30,000. It's fine to have a higher acquisition cost. So as long as you know your numbers, as long as you do the proper studies and you go into the right industry and you open the right business, if you don't have that internal motivation to work 12, 15 hour days, seven days a week, and guess what? Not even 1% of the population do, which is completely fine. A lot of people want a work-life balance, right? At least find the right industry and study your numbers to know that the numbers are there and understand them before getting into it so you can work like a normal human being and still make more money than a nine-to-five. Awesome. So I want to switch over now to the subject that we are going to be discussing. The main reason we brought you on the show here because I feel like this exact subject is something that you've mastered. Um, that systemization, um, very important to, you know, learn the process of systemization because, you know, makes, makes your business basically work without you. You don't have to be there. And that's right. something that's very, very important for scaling and, and growing your business. Um, so maybe let's start by defining what systemization is for the viewers that don't know what it is. Um, and, and kind of, Talk to me a little bit about how you realized the importance of systemization and, and kind of where that took you. Um, so right off the bat, I want to I wanna start off by saying that it is definitely, systemization is important. Um, every, any successful company in the world has to have systemization. But I find systemization is, it's very old school. It's very streamlined. What, I, what, I've, what I've been doing that's, help me skip a lot of years is innovation through systemization. Perfect. So and, you want to find that first before we move forward. So pretty much what, let me explain systemization first. So everybody knows what innovation is. It's taking something that already exists and making it better. Systemization is pretty much, let's say for example, you got to clean uh, your inventory, your, your inventory warehouse, right? So let's say for example, my company at Black Tar Construction, we have, we have our basement, it's around 1200 square feet and it's full of tools for our asphalt maintenance division and our paving division. And then we have our sales and marketing division, all the lawn signs and so on and so forth and the caution tapes and stuff. Well, most people, what they would do is they would systemize it by saying, hey, I'm gonna write down our minimum inventory checklist. I'm gonna write down our, uh, our restocking amounts. And once the minimum inventory checklists are reached, these people have to go and they have to buy 10 more caution tapes and they have to buy two more rakes and three more round shovels and, and so on and so forth. That's normal systemization. But what an entrepreneur, what an innovator does is he'll innovate as he systemizes. If you're already going to be spending time, hours, days to systemize something, well, why not innovate on a way to make it faster, to make it more profitable, while you're systemizing, so you don't have to do the work twice. You're, 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 you're spending half the time by systemizing once and innovating at the same time. So for example, 
Um, in the industry, I'll give you I'll give you an example with 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 black tar. One of the best things I've, I've innovated so far in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, any residential paving company, what do they do when they send a sales estimator to the customer's property to give out a quote? The sales estimator goes, takes his measure wheel, measures the width, measures the length, multiplies the two. You get your square footage or your square meters, and then they have a huge Excel sheet. And the Excel sheet pretty much says, if it's this scope of work, if you and pave, you have these prices. If it's between this square footage and this square footage, use this price. If it's between this square footage and this square footage, use this price. And you have thousands of marginal prices of, square, of your square footage price based on the total square footage. But what if you have two scopes of work? What if you have three? What if you have five? What if you have 10? What if the customer wants a culvert and they want a repaving, they want an extension and they want the interlock lifted and relayed? So it gets very complicated and sales estimators would spend 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour just on the pricing, not even on the intro, not even on the sales script, not even on on, on building value in the company, just on pricing the driveway. We were able to take that 30 to 45 minutes and bring it down to 10 seconds. And the way we did that is we hired mathematicians, we hired coders, we hired Excel professionals, and we created an actual algorithm that took us over a year and a half to make. But pretty much all the sales estimators do is they go to the property, they measure, they input the square footage into an algorithm that we made that's actually on our website. You input peel and pave, 500 square feet, grade and pave, 200 square feet. You input the address of the property, right away the system will calculate everything for you. It'll even determine how many properties we're doing within a close proximity to determine gas savings for the customer, transportation mobilization savings, product and labor savings, um, early bird discounts. It'll tell the, the estimator within 10, well, within really a, a second, it's, it's instantaneous. It'll tell them original price, discount, 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 discounted price, percentage of savings, bam, done. So that automatically right off the bat saves my sales estimators, my project estimators, 30 to 45 minutes per property, which allows them to go to twice the amount of estimates per day with the same quality to the, uh, the customer. And it increases the, it increases the, the um, consistency of our prices. And that way you don't have two customers next to each other with different prices. You have the same square footage, it's the same price. Love it. And so when, like how, first of all, how long you've been doing that for And when did you, when did you realize that this is something that you need to, to get on to be more efficient and, and make more money? Uh, not long. Uh, I'll be completely honest. I, um, I ha- I haven't really had the time to innovate and systemize. And that, that's something that's been I think that's a lot, a huge issue that a lot of entrepreneurs go through is they're, they're in the forest. They're doing all the dirty work the entire day to the point where they don't have time to sit behind the computer and, and think, you know, sometimes it's, it's good to have nothing to do because that allows you to think about the, the things that you never had time to think about before. And I never really had the time to do that until two years ago. Um, I was always doing black tar, uh, and totally techie during the, the spring, summer, and fall. And I was always doing totally techie and still during the winter time. So I never had the time to sit behind the computer until two years ago where totally techie finally became systemized and black tar was still a seasonal business, spring, summer, and fall. So I started having the entire winter 
to sit behind the computer and actually think, hey, what can we do to not just be another paving company? What can we do to be better? What can we do to give our customers better customer service? What can I do to help my employees save time? What can I do to help make their lives easier and their jobs easier? If I can cut an hour by thinking of an innovative way to have them finish their jobs faster, that's an extra hour of sleep for my employees. They can be more, they can be more well rested when they come to work. They don't have to drive with freaking their eyes, both eyes half closed the entire day, right? Um, that mixed with the fact that at that point, I already had around eight years of entrepreneurial experience really helped me out because if I had all that time in my first one or two years, I would have had no idea how to innovate. I would have had no idea how to systemize. I wouldn't have had enough time around my dad to learn how to systemize. My father is the king of systemization, right? For example, I went and I asked him three years ago, hey dad, um, how, what's the proper way of dealing with customer complaints? He said, he literally says like, Sammy, we need to have a meeting about this one. Like why? He's like, because it's not a quick answer. There's systems and there's policies in place. If, for example, if a customer calls you, it depends on the value of his portfolio. If his value of portfolio is this, then your entry level uh, employee, which is your customer relations administrator or your secretary, depending on the severity of the complaint, can offer one, two, three. If the customer is not happy, then it gets escalated to their supervisor or their manager who can offer one, two, three. If that doesn't work, it gets escalated to this, so on and so forth. So we he actually, he actually ended up, he's the king of systemizing. He's a, he has a hundred times more experience than I do. I mean, 80% of the systems in the company are made by my dad. I'm not taking any credit for that. Honestly, he was a great addition to the company in terms of from, from that aspect. Um, so he ended up creating a manual that's around 40 pages long with just dealing with customer complaints. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. So you mentioned something um, very important that I thought was interesting is that, you know, you knew that this is something that you needed to do, but you just didn't have time to do it because you were working so much for all the entrepreneurs out there that are in the same situation where they're, you know, they're sitting there. They're grinding it out, you know, they're they're they have to be there on a day-to-day -day basis for their business to survive. How would you recommend they they go about systemizing? Because obviously it's 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 gonna pay off in the long run and it's something that that needs to be done, right? Mm -hmm. I would say start off with the simple things. Um just the day-to-day -day operations, right? Things that seem mundane to you, things that you are doing on a day-to-day -day basis is not mundane to other people. Um, but also at the same time, don't systemize the things that don't need to be systemized yet, right? Spend your, spend your time in the right places. So for example, uh, it's an incremental process, right? So for example, let's say it's you and your business partners and you're in the uh, printing business right? You're printing shirts, you're printing hats, you're doing whatever. Um, and all of a sudden now you're realizing that, Hey, we're getting so big that we need a secretary. The orders are coming in. We're getting so many phone calls. If I can save myself the five hours a day, we can generate, you know, five X of what we'd be paying a secretary or an administrator to come and help us out. So right off the bat, there you go. Now you're delegating your day-to-day -day responsibilities to somebody else. 
So what you do is you start systemizing that position. So you go, you sit down with your business partner, you say, okay, well, what is this person going to be taking, taking off of our hands? Well, she's going to be taking care of all the phone calls. All right, well, what did you say over the phone? Ah, there you go. Let's create a sales script, right? What, the, what, our, what our secretary is going to say when she picks up the phone? Literally, things that minuscule needs to be systemized because that's how you lose track. That's how you get customer complaints. That's how you get a customer saying, well, no, he told me this. Why, why now you're telling me something else. He told me he's going to give me $10 off and you're telling me that we don't give 10, we don't give discounts. We can only refund you or, or give you, or give you uh, store credits. That's not what the other person said. So right off the bat, what you got to do is you got to create a sales script for this person. You got to create um, a process on, uh, 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 refunds. You got to create a process on uh, customer complaints. You got to create a process for maybe the administrator to start helping you pack and how to ship and how to label, right? Anything that seems obvious to you as the owner, keep in mind you're the owner. You know it best. Nobody's going to know it the way that you know it. But the whole point of systemizing is for you to take that information in your head put everything on paper, even if it sounds stupid, even if literally on paper, you write down, say hello, open bracket, enthusiastically, close bracket, literally, that, that, that detailed to the dots. And you know what? You put a lot of time into it once, it may seem stupid, but you put it on paper once, you train it, on, you, you train it with the person, and the, 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 the process of training is three steps. First, you show the person how it's done. So they shadow you and then you shadow them. And then they do all those four steps and then they do it by themselves. And then you have them train somebody else because as, as soon as they train somebody else and they're able to train somebody else, that's when you know you, they, it's nailed. They're doing it the same way that you're doing. So systemize, train them, follow the four steps of training. And, and, um, but to go back to the original point of the question is only systemize the things that need to be systemized. Don't really don't systemize things that are, you're going to use a year or two from now, systemize the things that are important for tomorrow. So it's a gradual systemization is what you're saying. It's systemize very, as you go. it's very, very gradual. I mean, for me, I've been trying to, I've been systemizing the sales and marketing division for four years now. And finally for the first year this year, I, my hands are completely out of sales and marketing. That's awesome. And you're right. Cause you know, things change and as your business grows, your systems are going to change. Right. Um, that's the thing right now with COVID-19, a lot of people's businesses have, have completely changed. Um, have, has yours at all? I'm sure it has. And how is that? Have you changed your systems to kind of cope with everything going on? Completely, uh, completely. Uh, I mean, we were very, very fortunate in terms of the whole COVID situation, because I, we have an amazing team. We honestly were very, very blessed with a great team uh, in, in both companies. Uh, our two main businesses are Totally Techie and Black Tar. So for example, at Black Tar Construction, um, when we found out that Wuhan got shut down, uh, we sort of, and, and Ottawa started getting its first one to five cases. That's when we said, okay, you know what? The time might come where Ottawa shuts down as well, and we're not considered an essential service. So we, right off the bat, created a marketing campaign to prepare for that. So what we ended up doing is we ended up creating a black tar page with 
you know, safety precautions, uh, how the employees should protect themselves from each other, how we're going to protect our customers. And we started offering contact free estimates, but offering something is useless if nobody, nobody knows about it. Right? Like, let's say you have the best customer service in the world, but nobody knows you have the best customer service in the world. So marketing, branding, and especially awareness is really important. So what we did is right off the bat, we started advertising to the entire city contact free estimates. And this was exactly two weeks before the city actually ended up considering, um, you know, construction services, not essential, especially what we're doing was considered non-essential residential paving. So we actually, our sales increased. We hit our biggest month uh, in history during the first four weeks of COVID because people who need to get their driveways paved need to get their driveways paved regardless. But the first company that came to mind where customers were like, hey, I need to get my driveway paved, but this is a very worrying time. Who are you going to call? You're going to call the only company that's been advertising contact-free estimates, contact-free estimates. So in their heads right away, it's like, okay, you know what? Usually I'm going to usually would contact three paving companies in order to get three different prices. But because we were the only ones advertising contact free, we ended up being the only company that people contacted. Wow. So you basically beat the game and create a system so that your business not only doesn't, doesn't hurt through uh, COVID-19 situation, but actually excelled and you broke, you broke a monthly record. It, it dramatically excelled. We beat any other month in history by 50%, well, 45% in revenue. And this was actually a month before the season even began. This was in March. Um, and once again, the city stated that, hey, um, we're going to tighten down on the list of essential services. So some of our services were essential, but not all of them. So as soon as the city stated that they may be tightening on the list of essential services, we found out what those services were. And right off the bat, we modified our resources to start offering essential services, such as, you know, uh, customers with negative drainage where they have water going towards the foundation. So basement flooding, um, um, uh, let's see, sinkholes, sinkhole repairs, right? Things of, of that nature that we knew would be considered essential. We started offering and we started marketing just in case one of our services starts decreasing, we would have something else to make up for it. Nice. So before we jump into the quick five questions that I ask every guest on the show, right? what do you want to close with about innovation and systemization for the entrepreneur out there? What piece of advice can you give them? Um, what do you want to close off with on this subject? Um, so in, in business as a general, the only advice I have is work your ass off. And I promise you, if you focus all of your efforts on one business that you studied for, don't go into a business that you just like and happen to stumble upon. Study the industry. If it's profitable, you know it's profitable. You know the money is there. You see the potential. Work your ass off, and I guarantee you it'll eventually work. Uh, it, took me, it took me five to six years to finally start earning more than just the average nine-to-five income, right? Five years of 12 to 15 sometimes 16, 18 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, but in terms of the innovation and systemization, systemize the things that are obvious, 
don't just system systemizing isn't isn't just about the things that are crazy isn't just about the things that are that are out of the box don't always try to think out of the box just just don't reinvent the wheel all the time right just work on building the wheel and then innovate it as you're building it and just write down the most of common things like i said literally if you're writing a sales script actually write down the hello and actually write down the open bracket and actually write down enthusiastically and actually write down the close bracket. That's literally as detailed as I could get here. Love it. All right. So you ready for the quick five? Hit me. Let's jump into it. Let's do it. All right. Question number one, what is the first thing you're doing when the whole COVID-19 pandemic is done and you can go wherever you want and you can do whatever you want and everything is open? Work even more. <laughs> <laughs> Legitimately, that's what I'm going to be doing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. Question number two. What is one thing that you took for granted before this whole pandemic happened that now you realize, damn, like I took that for granted and I'm very grateful for it? Um. Having a nice cold brewski on a patio. Definitely. I miss that. Yeah, I miss patio season too, man. Oh it's my like, god. It's been perfect weather too out there. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That I'm excited for a nice charcuterie board with a nice cold beer. Love it. Where do you see yourself in the next 10 years? Um, hopefully having vacations, two-week vacations, four times a year on a beach somewhere, my beach house overseas. What about business-wise? Where do you see your business in the next 10 years? Business-wise, I see Black Tar having at least three locations across, auto, across uh, Canada. I see um, Black Tar being on the same caliber as Tomlinson, Coco Paving, Carson, uh, D-Squared, and um, me on a beach somewhere. <laughs> what legacy do you want to leave behind when everything is said and done? I, I'd like to, I'd like for my kids to, to be as hardworking as I am to have the work ethic uh, and the, the personal morals and ethics that I have, but to also not have to work as hard as I did to get to where I am. Okay. Okay. And I'd like to obviously take over the business. Yeah. You know, and the last question there. is what is what business related book did you read that changed your whole perception on business and how you did things? Um, so this book I started reading recently, it's called good to great. Uh, I don't recommend it for, I don't recommend it for beginner entrepreneurs because it's a little bit more advanced. It's pretty much analyzing and dissecting the differences between the global, the fortune 500 companies that were just hitting the normal 4.5% growth, four to 5% or three to 5% growth per year compared to the companies that had the same resources in the same industries that ended up hitting, you know, 10 X, 20 X, uh, compared to the, the normal growth rate per year, what they did differently. So just taking the average good company and comparing them to the great uh, companies and and pretty much for example, you know benefits what kind of benefits they offer how much the CEO make what kind of leadership style the CEO have um, Dissecting everything really, you know, one of one of the greatest things in there 
that I learned is called the, uh, the hedgehog concept. And it pretty much explains the three main aspects of the hedgehog. And the example they give about the hedgehog concept is you have the good companies that are sort of like the rabbit. You know, the rabbit is always trying to tackle the hog. And the rabbit will keep on planning and improvising. When is the best time to attack this hog? When, when should I come in and, and swoop in so I can attack him and try to take everything that he has? Mm-hmm. And the hog is coming back from work. You know, he's nice and nonchalant. He's walking around. The bunny comes out of the bushes, runs towards the hog. What does the hog do? Goes like this. All his, what do they call the, uh, his protection, the needles. The spikes. All the spikes. Are you talking about a porcupine or a hog? Porcupine. Yeah, a hog has the, the spikes too, right? Dude, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I think it does. So anyways, the spikes come out. goes like this. He looks at the bunny. He's like, come on, man. Again? Seriously? And now the bunny goes like, okay, okay. You know what? I'm going to plan again. I'm going to come back tomorrow. So the hog is the smart one. He takes things that seem extremely complicated to the normal person and he simplifies it. Right? He's able to take something very, very difficult and turns it into a system and he systemizes it in a way that's easy for the entire company to do something that's considered difficult. So that's just literally like 10 pages out of a 250-page book. And it what was it called again? It's good to great. Good to great. Love it. And for the, just quickly, for a beginner entrepreneur, what, what book did you read early on in your career that, that really got the ball rolling for you? Hmm. I think a, a really good one was, um, I believe it was called Walk the Talk. And another one was the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. Okay. I think those, those two, it was such a long time ago uh, that I don't remember, but I, I believe those two were, were very beneficial. Don't ask me details because I don't remember, to be honest with you. All right. <laughs> I just remember the titles. That's it. And finally, where can people follow you? Where can people find you? On their driveways. <laughs> Even. <laughs> uh, you can follow me on Instagram. Uh, I don't even know my, I'm not big on social media. I'll, I'll tag it. I'll tag it. Don't worry at the end here. Yeah, you can follow what me about on uh, Black Tar. Where can they find Black Tar or Totally Techie? Uh, so Black Tar, you can just uh, type in Black Tar Construction on Google or go on our website, blacktar.ca. Totally Techie, just type in Totally Techie on Google or search up Totally Techie on Instagram. Uh, you know, type in the company name anywhere and you'll hopefully find it if I'm doing my job properly. Beautiful, man. Well, listen, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to do this. It was awesome. I hope, I think a lot of people are going to learn something from this and I will definitely be bringing you on the show again in the future to talk about something else business related. So thanks a lot for doing this, man. Much love, and I will see you next time. For sure, man. Pleasure being here. Thanks, Mark. Take it easy. Peace. Cheers, man. See ya.